two-possession game. 114-110. Curry lets it fly. Canada, the NBA title is yours. The Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good morning, Pep. It is Friday, June, what is this, 14th? 13th? Yeah. 14th. A historic evening last night. What did you do last night? You know what, buddy? I uh, I had some fillings done at the dentist earlier on earlier the day in the day, and I might my intention was to go to a pub and watch it. Uh, the Prescott was an option, uh, Pub Wells, but I ended up just staying home because I had a bit of a headache. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I just watched it from home and uh, very emotional, man. I I'm even I'm super emotional this morning. I think you know my I saw my entire you know athletic life career sort of flash before my eyes. <laughs> It, while this was all happening and you know the, you know how they you know how they asked the players on the spot how do you feel about this like literally seconds after the championship and they all respond with surreal uh, maybe I'll I'll take some time to digest this I'm just mm-hmm. going to spend it with my family I, I kind of felt that way yesterday and this morning yeah uh I feel the the, the same way last night uh it was late and uh but it what it, it did have that surreal feeling it was just kind of like this actually happened and you're you're taking in you know i I stayed up i watched you know all the post game stuff um and uh this morning so i recorded the game last night because jackson had asked me to to uh to tape it for him and uh kid gets up pretty early and we start throwing it on and the biggest thing is he's like i don't want to know who wins so we watched the game and uh you know he's He's keeping me posted what the score is and what's happening. And then, so we're fast forwarding a bit because he does have school to get to. And, uh, you know, it it comes to the end. You know, the Raptors win. And that's when it kind of hits me more than anything is when, you know, he starts celebrating. And now it's, it's, uh, you know, exactly the way he said. They said, you know, they want to celebrate their family, friends and kind of feel that. It's, it was that same sort of feeling that I had this morning that I felt like this is something special that, you know, Jackson at seven is appreciating it. And, you know, I don't think fully, but um, I don't know. There was a lot of emotion this morning, you know, watching and and being able to watch that with him. So that I, you you get that youthful exuberance that kind of brings you into the moment. And uh, I always find the second time around, like, you know, watching the highlights basically was really what got me this morning. And I, I actually, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit something like this. I, like, I started crying. Like I was actually watching it and I saw like, I've been following the Raptors since their inception, like literally game one to now I've probably seen realistically with my, my mother's cable package that she offered us when we were kids through to my adulthood through to now where I am now in my, in my life. It would be fair to say I've watched 80% of their games. Yeah. Other than super fan who showed, who's been there to every game. I mean, I, I like to think that I'm a, I'm a diehard fan. And 
those who trivialize the effect of sport on people, those who maybe don't understand it, or it's, oh, it's just like, it's like watching a movie. Yeah, well, you know what? Movies bring people to tears too. Movies bring people to jubilation, to sadness, to, well, that's what sport does for me, but it's real life. And my life has been all about sports. It's been all about sports through every relationship I've ever had, through uh, my family relations, through my friends. It revolves around sports. It, it always has, and it likely always will. And um, watching the Raptors accomplish what they accomplished yesterday in in such with such class in a hostile environment, Oakland. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm just so proud of the country and how we represented ourselves and uh, Canada, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be a Canadian. I have nothing against Americans. I have American friends. You know, my, my, my true favorite sports team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they're clearly based in America. Like I'm not, I'm not here to just shit on America. That's not my point, but mm-hmm. boy, was it, was it a classy celebration yesterday? You know, class organization, Masai Ujiri. I just, Man, I just love his passion. He's I don't think he's going anywhere. He's going to go to Washington and represent uh, uh, the Washington Wizards in a political climate that is pretty hostile right now in, in the States. Are you kidding me? No way. Yeah, so you saw that already. They talk about uh, him being offered some pretty big money uh, to, to jump to a different team. And that was put out seconds after the, the Raps had won. So uh, I hope you're right. I hope he stays. Oh. I hope, you know, he takes I mean, he's been there for 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 a good amount of time. You built something, why would you want to jump ship right away? Um I think no, it was uh good. 10 10 million a year. Yeah, that's what plus, I heard. Plus uh plus equity in the team I think is is the what is the big is the big kicker there cuz you know, as we all know, these NBA franchises are worth a ton of money. Right. So that was the kicker. But right now, he made, his last contract he signed with the Raptors was five, um, 15 mil for five years. So that's a pretty big, pretty big pay raise. That's, yeah, you know, three mil a year. <clears throat> but MLSC can afford to pay him. I mean, they'll they'll offer him something lucrative, comparable, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe maybe a stake in in the the franchise. Toronto's the Toronto franchise is now worth a ton. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens with that. I hope he goes nowhere. He's the architect. You know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? And kudos to him. Everything paid off. He made some very strong moves in the offseason and during the season. Uh, was, I wouldn't say heavily criticized, but there was a lot of skepticism around his moves. Um, but, uh, man, there's you can't... They won. You know what I mean? They're the yeah. top team in the in the world and it's because of the moves he made. So Bold. you know, definitely hats off to him. You know, he did it his way. He had a plan. He actioned it. He didn't go based on the fans and what they wanted or what the media thought they wanted or should be doing. Uh the man knew what he was knew his plan and and followed it to the T. And you gotta respect a guy like that. You know, I love the moves he made, and he wasn't. I think when he actually made th- some of those trades, he wasn't criticized right away. It was, there was a uh, like a, a level of optimism, and like, oh wow, what? That's well, I can't believe he just made that move. I can't believe somebody agreed to make that move. Uh, when I look at the Ibaka trade, that sort of got all got the ball rolling when they traded Terrence Ross and a pick for Ibaka. Ibaka wasn't really playing that well in Orlando. 
they had just signed Bismack. Uh, Orlando had just signed Bismack Biombo, so there was there was a poor fit there. So they picked up Ibaka. Um, he's been tremendous. You know, sure, has he had his ups and downs? I, I mean, yeah, but his effort, you can never fault his effort. And that's the kind of guys, those are the kind of guys that Messiah wanted to bring in. So, you know, I thought that that sort of got the ball rolling with, hey, this guy isn't afraid to make some big deals. And Terrence Ross was a young guy. He's, I think he was like third or fourth in the NBA in three-point shooting. So it's not like we gave away nothing for Ibaka. No, you know, I actually then, I loved Ross back in the day. Oh, yeah, he'd light it up. He got really hot. You know, I think... Drafting Siakam the twenty seventh overall was an absolute steal. Oh, yeah. You know they drafted Hurdle was their first pick in that round. You know making that bold, bold, bold like DeRozan for Leonard trade after not knowing if how Leonard's leg was going to react after being off for an entire season that was a bold move, man. That well, was not even gutsy. knowing if he was going to play in Toronto, like if he was just going to say I'm not going to play again or not going to play this year, sit it out. You know there was a lot of yeah. And I think, at least from you know my standpoint, um, you know, as a guy who follows them, but maybe not as closely as you did, um, you know, there was some hesitation in terms of Leonard, and and you know, you kind of you questioned his character, maybe just based solely on the rumors from the media of, oh, maybe he's not gonna he's not gonna go to Canada, he's not gonna play up there. You're trading for a guy who you're not gonna see. You know, so kind of along the lines of like the Eric Lindros type stuff back in the day, and so you, yeah, naturally I would question his character and and um and sort of who he was unfairly one hundred percent, but I mean the guys changed all of those those uh, those notions that may have come up before he got there and has put all those to rest. The guy is um, <laughs> he's a guy that oh, you know yeah it's. I understand why Toronto and Canada want to keep him and do whatever we can. He's not a showboater. He's not a guy that um, accentuates fouls and flops. He's not a guy that talks shit. He's not a guy that anything. He's just he fits that Canadian superstar model of just being exactly. humble, being f- awesome, getting the job done, being a good teammate, um, respectful at the same time and. You know, like him and Sidney Crosby, you know, like if I think actually Charles Barkley might have been the one that compared somebody's brought up a hockey comparison. I thought Barkley might have been the one who mentioned that he was like a Sidney Crosby. And that's very fitting because both of them, they never get too high. They never get too low. You know, it's it's team first before any accolades and uh, but extremely productive. And, you know, OK, some people are going to be arguing that. You know, Crosby used to whine when he was younger and stuff like that, but that was the league, and and you needed to, you needed to make some noise to get those calls. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast. But Sidney oh, yeah, Crosby no, you, is, I, you know, the top and very humble, and uh, he would be the guy I would compare him to as well. And I like that comparison a little bit, and you make a good point. We're talking about Crosby played in an NHL now, where there were no more enforcers. He had to watch out for himself. You know, he's getting hacked right. to bits. So. You know, it's not like he had he could just skate to the bench and, uh, you know, Dave Semenko was going to come on and and beat the hell out of whoever just hit him. Crosby was just as the NHL was flipping into this era of like, well, we're going to get rid of hot, like get rid of fighting out of the game. He had to fend for himself. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's had a remarkable career just based on his points alone. And then you f- factor in that he's a superstar getting hacked to bits all the time. So. Uh, but that, like you said, it's a whole other podcast. But when it comes to Leonard, you know, 
in the NBA, you don't see uh, guys sitting out uh, full seasons as often as you'd see, like maybe in the NFL or uh, has it happened in the NHL since Lindros? It doesn't happen too often. Yeah, the only guy I could think of in the NBA who's really threatened to sit out a whole season, I think it was Steve Francis when he got drafted by the Grizzlies and he's crying at the uh, <laughs> at the draft party. Um, fuck his what a he's a he's a hot he was a hot mess. But anyway, mm. that I just don't see that in the NBA very much. My my concern with Leonard was really all about health because I had seen enough of him to know he he won a series finals MVP when the when the Spurs won the title. He was the MVP of the of that uh, finals. So the his pedigree was there. Uh it was just it was his health I guess that was in question. So you know the fact that he came back, the fact that they had the load management system in place. I thought they set him up. They probably uh sold him on all of that prior to the trade said look we're going to we could bring you in here. We're going to wa- monitor your minutes. We know you're coming off a pretty, you know, pretty devastating injury. Um, what do you think? I'm sure he signed off on it before. There's, there's ways to get, you know, you talk to the agent or whatever. There's, there's ways around it. So what a, what a trade. I mean, like you bring two got two classy guys. Danny green is, is also, he had a great year. He, yeah. Maybe he didn't have the best finals. You know, it's a long season, mm-hmm. right? He's played a lot of minutes. But uh, he was a great acquisition too. He he was amazing for eighty five percent of the season. He kind of disappeared in the finals, but that's just the nature of the finals. Like the matchups didn't didn't bode well for him. Yeah, no, and uh, he had yeah, like you said, a great season. I think with uh, when you talk about Kawhi and his health, um, you know, obviously one of the Kawhi's biggest goals and and focuses was on his health when he was coming in. So making sure as a Raptors organization that their their focus aligns with his. And he commented on that last night, not that specifically, but did talk about the Raptors' goals and and mentality matched his. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. I'm hoping that we are though taking anything like in terms of Katie's injury, um, but that injury should bode well for Kawhi and the thought process. So uh, what I'm trying to say is it's still a concern for him with his health and making sure that the player comes first. And I think the 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 KD example, uh, I feel like there was some uh, something lost between the doctors and and KD and who was telling them to play and. Uh, you know, there's still talk that, you know, the team or the doctors should have said, no, you can't play, um, at least err on the, uh, the safe side in terms of a career and having an organization like the Raptors who have then made a focus of your health in terms of Kawhi, uh, throughout the season to make sure that you're, you're healthy, you're rested, you're, uh, when you're banged up, you're not playing unless it's, you know, I know he was banged up during the playoffs. That's a different story. Um, but if there was a, a risk of further injury of some sort, I think the Raptors and him would be on the same page to say, I'm not pushing it, especially when you have um, the mentality you're going to be around for a little bit. So I'm hoping that you know he can see, say, look, all organizations aren't necessarily like that. They might, you know, if I was in that same situation, you know, now I'm out next season. And who knows what's going to happen when I come back. And, you know, I, you and I both hope that, that KD makes a full recovery. Um, you know, I know within that injury there was talk of 
uh, fans and stuff uh, from a Canadian standpoint. We can get into that later, but that was one thing that was disappointing in terms of being Canadian and, and how guys were acting. But also, I don't think it's fair that they generalize Canadians in the whole uh, arena for these handful of uh, losers. But Kawhi should look at that and say, you know, I have a good situation right now. My health and longevity is sort of the most important thing from a player standpoint. That's your business. You don't have your health. You don't have the ability to play. You don't have the ability to make money. Your business is now closed. So you have an organization that supports that and it will protect you as much as they can. I think that's sort of invaluable um, from a player standpoint. So I really, I guess my whole point is that I hope that that uh, really resonates with Kawhi in terms of making a decision on whether or not he comes back. I think, I hope that what he sees with Canada and an entire country supporting him and, you know, not, not only just the, the fans, but like media and local businesses in Toronto and actually businesses across the country, you know, you're going to make comparable money. You're going to have an entire country behind you. You're going to be well supported with one of the best medical staffs in the NBA who make great decisions. And just to touch upon the KD, I want to, well, maybe we'll put in a, like a sort of a final close on the whole KD situation. It's tragic. Yeah. No. If they were, if the series was 2-2 or if it was like 2-1 Warriors, would the pressure have been on to bring him back so quickly? Probably not. Uh, you just, you, you got to save players from themselves sometimes. And the Warriors failed this man. And like, I'm sorry, but you know, and I, I hate comparing myself to, to pro players or comparing the average Joe to pro, to, to pro athletes because they have the best care. But I've pulled my calf. I've seen guys pull their calves, and his was severe. You don't come back from that in less than thirty days. You you just don't like, and if you do, you risk the the trickle down effect of of an injury, which is exactly what happened to, to KD. His calf was in what they call an inflammation phase where no other muscles can fire. Uh, no, his calf muscles couldn't fire. So his soleus and his Achilles were doing all the work. And that's natural. Like if you, if you pull your calf and you go to your physio, they're going to tell you that exact same thing. Like, you know, you can't, you, yes, you might feel good now. Yes. You're able to walk without a real limp or anything like that. But if you go back to trying to play whatever sport you want to play, you risk injuring a tendon or another muscle simply because they're doing the, they're doing the work they're dominating. So mm-hmm. once, once the inflammation phase goes away, then you've got the rehab phase and then you've got the strengthening phase. I mean, that's 90 days, basically minimum. And they brought the friggin' guy back within 26 days. And I feel bad for him. I could tell on his face and I was, I, I could just tell. And I was with you and Kurt. I'm like, there's something wrong with him. Like he doesn't look, he looks scared. He looks like, uh Oh, you know, like he looks like someone was in the crowd with a, with a sniper gun and uh, they're going to shoot him at any moment. Like that's, that's he had that face of like, oh, maybe this is the wrong decision. And then he came out, he hit a couple threes. He, he looked pretty good. Um, but somebody took him to the hoop. I think it was Leonard who took him to the hoop on defense. I'm like, this guy's not right. He didn't even attempt. To no, that was Van Fleet. Remember then he Van got a foul Fleet. on him and uh, they yes. got kind of in each other's face. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. for me, the biggest thing was, was Bob Meyer, was the GM talking about it after. And the guy's like in tears talking about it. And 
that doesn't happen if you actually thought there'd be no concern of him getting worse. You know what I mean? Like there's a level of guilt oh, yeah. there and that, you know, whether or not that's directly on him, I know he's taken the blame, but there's other people too. And I think uh, he probably felt he should have stepped in and made the call and say, and protected his player and didn't. Yeah. And the worst case scenario happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I thought it was, I thought he was genuinely upset. Like I didn't think that was any kind of like uh soap opera. He was oh, no, genuinely no. I, like, oh, I agree. This we, we fucked this guy over basically like that. We really, we didn't do this guy a service and uh, you know, uh, sad, but when I look at the warriors roster, it was okay. I'm full credit for them to make it this far. Absolutely. The West is tough. You know, you got to get through, you got to get through Houston and you got to get through Denver was a really good team. And uh, you know, Denver and Toronto, I think, and it's, it's ironic that Denver was Messiah jury's last team, by the way. But Denver and Toronto are making a case for the NBA that you don't need these super teams. You don't need these eight the three superstars. superstars yeah. You know, you don't, you don't need to spend all that kind of crazy money because if you do, you're going to end up exactly where uh, Golden State was. If you take one injury to one of those superstars, you've got zero depth. You know, and McKinney, who played a lot of minutes yesterday, was cut by the Raptors. Like, not even like he, he was just cut. They just let him go. That suggests, you know what, you're not even good enough to make our our 905 team. So, mm. you know, you're gonna allot all your funds to top three guys. This is exactly what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a team that's top heavy with three or four superstars. And the minute one of those guys goes down, you're in serious trouble. And that's exactly what happened to Golden State. Uh, I thought the Cousins signing was a real shit show. I did. He's he lacks character. He flops for a man his size. He plays so small. And I just, he's just, for me, I've never liked his game. And, you know, you are who you are in the NBA. He had three or four years in Sacramento where he could prove that, okay, you know what? I could put the ball in the basket, I guess. But he always led the league in technical fouls. You want a guy like that on on a, on a championship ball team that already has a loose cannon and Draymond Green. You're going to combine those two guys? What a hot mess, man. I'm, and those guys, and we were just talking right before the podcast, before we started recording. Maybe post game those guys show class. I find it ironic that they were talking about class when when they were talking about the Raptors fans, <clears throat> or you know I find that really ironic. But they show no class on the court. I mean, every time Draymond Green gets fouled, he's turning to the referee and screaming to the ref as loud as he possibly can with hand gestures. And last year, the NBA competition committee made a note saying, "You may be able to scream at us, but the minute you show us up with hand gestures, you're getting a T." I can't believe how much stuff they let go yesterday. Oh. It was disgusting. Yep. Right? Oh, it, yesterday was, well, I mean, we texted throughout the game, but it was so frustrating. I get having bad officiating, fine. But it's when it's lopsided as to being bad on one side versus the other. When one is a clear foul and then it goes, to, like, it's not even uh, a, a a matter of I have to go to the first period or first quarter and say, okay, it was a foul here. And then in the third quarter, they didn't call it. It's literally goes to one end. It's not called. Goes to the other end. It's called. Like And it's chintzy. Very chintzy. Anyway, it was, it was frustrating. And the stuff, I don't know what Draymond's saying to the ref, but from a, a, a fan perspective, 
the hand gestures and the mannerisms of which he's saying it, he could be saying, you know, I wish you the best. But the way he's saying it, we can't hear exactly what he's saying. He might as well be telling the ref off. And you think, how is he not yeah. getting teed up for this right now? Oh, yeah. And the referees, you know, they so Draymond Green was one more technical away from being suspended for the, the next game, <laughs> yeah. right? So, you know, they're I'm sure they're told, like, have have a little bit of a leash with this guy. And, um, you know, we want, we want all, all the stars to play in the finals. It's, it's our league showcase. So, but, like, there's, for all intents and purposes, he'd be kicked out of every league the way the way he acted and the way he acts not acted he's that's that's him and you know the referees are human and they're easily intimidated i even if the ones who aren't easily intimidated they're human as well it's human nature to be like uh maybe i'll just let this guy go maybe i'll just let that foul go because i don't want this fucking guy yelling at me for the next five minutes like so you know for him to be able to get away with all that stuff it's it's a shame on the league shame on them for not putting their foot down and saying, we're not going to take any more crap from this guy. I, I understand it's it's a passionate game, and I understand that emotions get the best, but you, you got to control your emotions or you get punished. You know, if it was football and you don't control your emotions, you can kill somebody. Well, and that's so, where I think from a league standpoint, you say, hey, the league is on showcase. The league is showcasing that the players are more important than the league. Yes. And the integrity yes. of the league, whereas – I find the NFL is a little bit better in, in that regards, sometimes a little bit delayed, but I'd never find the league is always the, the absolute entity within the football arena, whereas the NBA seems like it's very much dictated by the players and the league is kind of secondary. And I think that's the, uh, something the league should be kind of concerned with. Oh, absolutely. And that was Mark Davis's crew yesterday, by the way. And the two guys, actually, Mark Davis was the one making some of the calls uh, that actually made sense. The two other guys were just shit. The NBA, you guys need to do it, man. I'm like, I wasn't gonna let this go. Yeah, whether the Raptors won or lost, I was gonna, I was gonna let let the refs have it this morning. That was awful, awful. Kawhi Leonard, they showed a highlight of him going to the basket, getting hacked about five times, mm. and then they showed a highlight of it might have been, might have been Curry. Uh, doing his thing where he gets to, to the middle of the lane and kind of sticks his ass out, tries to draw some contact. Uh, or there was a couple of three-point shots by Clay Thompson that like really chintzy little were little taps after he's released the ball and he's kicking his leg out and fuck. And Clay Thompson, you know what, bud? You got hurt. Okay, it happens. Don't turn around and start chirping at, well, who did that to me? Listen, Danny Green went for the ball, bud, okay? You landed awkwardly. It's not his fault. You went to dunk. What, do you expect us just to give you a free dunk? It's the fucking finals. Right. Okay? Secondly, you come back like you're Willis Reed. Okay, you cu- you had to come back because you have to shoot the foul shots. That's the, that's the law. That's the rule. It wasn't because you were coming back like you're some fucking hero. You were coming back onto the court because by rule, you got to come back and shoot the free throws. Then you got subbed off. You know, he tore his ACL. Eh? They released it this morning. Oh, it really? ACL no, tear. I didn't. Uh... Yeah. Uh, it looked bad. Like, Oh, yeah, it looked bad. It definitely looked bad. But, but play with some cl- – that's just classless reaction, you know? Classless reaction. And, you know, which sort of brings me to, to my next point about how Toronto and Golden State sort of took on the personality of their country. And, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't want to – I'm not here to shit on the States, but – if you look at how Toronto played, the character they have on their team from, from number eight to number one, if you look at Norm Powell, Van Vliet, Ibaka, 
Marcusall, Siakam, Leonard Green, Lowry, to a man. Wouldn't you want those guys on your team on how how they represented the country? And then their bench. You think Kawhi? You think uh, Masai Ujiri is an idiot? He brought guys like Jody Meeks and Jeremy Lin to sit on the bench and be um, a great influence on a, on a young, relatively young team like Ananobi. Um, very young, you know, Siakam, mm-hmm. very young, you know, he knew what he was doing. And those guys are, are some of the best guys in the NBA. Jeremy Lin might be the, one of the best guys in the NBA. There was a player might've been, was it cousins who made fun of him for his Asian descent? Oh shoot. No, I didn't hear about that. Somebody made, it was a, it was a, it was a, it might've been cousins actually. And they had, anyway, they reason, but Lin was classy about it. I said, Hey, listen, everyone makes mistakes. Um, it's, it's all good. You know, like I, the guy called me to apologize. I have no hard feelings. Boom. And it went, it, it, that story disappeared, but Lynn could have made a big deal of it. Right. Oh yeah. How, how dare he do this? And how, you know, like it's, these guys have uh, huge egos, but what a, what a classy organization, what a classy system. And even how they celebrated yesterday was just pure class, like pure Canadian. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I wonder, you know, you talk about the players taking on that sort of, uh, the characteristics, let's say, or, uh, I don't want to say stereotypes, but I guess it is kind of a stereotype uh, in in a good way because clearly, you know, not all Canadians fall into that as uh, some of them have shown. Uh, But um, throughout the season, those players, I think, start to learn what's acceptable and what's not, uh, especially for home games because uh, I don't think the fans really respond to guys who you know if they're flopping if they're um uh complaining all the time and whatnot the 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 fans will get on them for that that's just not the way you know our our people do it our people you know our country kind of does it and (laughs) and it stems from you know again being that like sort of tougher not a whiny in terms of hockey and stuff like that i guess and uh, you know, Van Fleet taking the elbow to the eye and the teeth getting knocked out. Like he got so much uh, praise, I guess, and and uh, comparison to hockey players. And, you know, just from a, a cover standpoint, he was very clear to say, I never want to step foot on the ice, I think is what he said. Um, but the the fans will let you hear it. And I think that helps to mold the, uh, the players a little bit. So by the time they get into these scenarios, like they're the fans have it have told them how to how to act and helped build who they are. And that just happens to be the fans in, in Toronto, right? Oh, absolutely. And look, uh, you know, when I think about the, uh, when I think about how the fans traveled, I don't, you know, I've watched a lot of finals and I'm t- I try to stay neutral. Right? I'm trying to stay neutral. I'm trying not to be like the Raptors are my favorite team. They've, they've surpassed the Lakers for me. And it's, uh, that's a that's, topic that that's big. It is big, and it part, it's partly organization. <laughs> it's, partly, it's partly organizational because I like who, what the Raptors represent and who represent, represent them from the top down. Um, I don't like what's going on with L.A. It's a soap opera. Ever since Dr. Buzz passed away and he handed the reins over to his daughter and son, it's been, um, like, it's been literally a soap opera. Like, it's been... Mm scandal and like just nonsense so you know and then you know getting lebron uh, uh to come in there and basically bring all his own guys in it's, it's just been a real mess so my allegiance sort of shifted over to toronto 
and it, it in large part because of how they're represented and what they represent. And man, the, like the place in Oakland yesterday, there were there were like three or four thousand fans after the building left after the uh, the people left the building. Uh, there were three or four thousand Raptor fans. <laughs> clear, it was loud. It sounded like the actual game was still going on. It was wild, but. Mm. Uh, I'm so proud of how we were, we represent Canada and you know, the warrior fans, it just, it was a, we, it was a weird looking crowd, man. I, I just, you look in the front row and it's all 60 plus guys, you know, just one lady was wearing a, a sequined uh, suit. I think it was like a golden blue. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. There were golden state colors, but it was like the American flag. And she was, she might have been like 65 and she was waving up there. Like you, I thought I was watching like the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl from the 70s. Like I'm like, what am I? What, what is this crowd? This is just a weird, you know, it, and I, 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 I want to be careful not to go play the race card or anything like that. But it looked like a white privilege. You know, um, there was only a certain amount of people that could afford tickets living in that part of Oakland. And it showed. Um, I don't I honestly I don't think you're wrong. Like I know you're treading water to a point and making sure we don't uh offend anybody you know yeah but i i I got the same feeling i mean it it, i think a lot of people would okay we're gonna take a break because we got to put this uh our get our advertising in there so uh we're gonna put that in but we're gonna come back and i want to talk a little bit more about um the effect that this you feel has on uh, on the country you got it All right, Ottawa, summer's here and the sun is out and the weather is beautiful and you are ready to cruise the town. But is your car ready? Do what Pep and I do and get your car, truck, cruise ready by taking the Specialized Auto Image for a full auto detailing. There's nothing better than when I get my truck back with that new car feeling. Call today, book your appointment so you can ride in style. 613-596-9009. Don't forget to mention the unsportsmanlike convo and get yourself 15% off. That's a special rate for the Raptors playoff game. All right, Pierre. Uh, so based on advertising, if you do need your car detailed again or your Jeep, you know where to go. All right, we are talking real quick about uh, the effect, and not real quick necessarily, but because this is a big thing, of how much of an impact the Raptors winning the NBA championship, their first ever, has on Canada. Now, we've already seen all of the uh, the highlights of all the different Jurassic Parks throughout Canada, even rumors of one down in uh, Illinois, Rockford or Rockport, Rockford maybe, which is where Van Fleet is from. Um, so a couple of questions. Obviously, your initial feeling on the impact. Um, also, I didn't see any Jurassic Parks from Ottawa, Uh televised or kind of being covered which being the capital you think you would have that so um kind of a two-part what do you think well you know i talked about that uh i've made a brief uh radio appearance yesterday on 93.1 ckcu and uh i had one of the questions that posed to me was uh, you know should ottawa have viewing parties and i said well geez like we're the nation's capital if there was a place to have a viewing party that's not toronto it would be us right yeah, I so, mean, you, know, you have to. Uh, yeah, like you have to represent. You're, it's it's one team representing their entire country, and we live in the nation's capital. So I know Almont had a fairly big viewing party, but it's Almont. It's a small town. So, you know, I thought 
though that the city embraced what was happening as well as it could under the circumstances. I thought, you know, there were there were many viewing parties, if you will, everywhere. Uh, you know, last night my friend uh, went to the Prescott, and she told me that it was uh, it was a bumping environment, like it was pretty wild. I was at Pubwells. It's in the middle of Preston and Albert, where you know, at, at most you fit forty people in that bar. It's a re- it's more like a it's a pub. The time I went, it was bumping. It was rocking. You know, so I could imagine some of the places downtown. I think with Elegant Street being in the condition it is, I think it affected any kind of real natural viewing party. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get political, but the, the market for for me personally, the market isn't the place to be anymore after after dinner. So, you know, there's there was an effect of like, where the hell are we going to do it anyways? If even if we did want to have a big like a, a like a like the like the Red Mile type thing, right? Like, where were we going to do it in the market? With somebody, somebody was shot and killed there last week. So you know, people are going to be hesitant to go there. A guy like me, who's in his forties, I have no desire to be in the market at all anymore. So you know, there was that element where, yeah. you know, are we, where are we going to have a big party in nation's capital? I, I thought the I thought the capital did a great job of hosting all these little mini parties in different places, and it was really cool. And people who are not basketball fans, and this is the effect that this had on the country, even non basketball fans were highly involved in what was going on because it was it was like team canada man it was like the 72 russia series like us against them well i don't think you're old enough for that one either but uh <laughs> you know i think i would have liked to have heard something i know they had the movie theaters they were selling tickets to watch the raptors games at the cineplex yeah. uh, locations um yeah. you're right there was many parties all over the city uh, Elgin Street was always kind of a natural option based on the previous like hockey type scenarios, um, but maybe getting a, the Civic Center opened up or something. I think I think the jumbotrons in there are, are fairly clear and, and good quality. They could have you know packed a, sort of a bit of a stadium somewhere. Um, Landstone. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking maybe even without if it's raining, nobody's going to go to that. Let's say, but. Uh, you do it at the Civic Center. Or, you know, I think of St. Louis, and St. Louis had the viewing party at the rink, but then they also had it at, uh, what's it called, Bushfield, I think, where the Cardinals play. And they're, I mean, both stadiums are packed, and they're playing in Boston. So I think, anyway, I kind of would have liked to have had one central thing uh, just to kind of get everybody together. Uh, that being said, you know, you and I are both, uh, you know, at the age where we don't feel like going downtown, but I do know that downtown was bumping last night because of my Twitter feed. So <laughs> I went into the thing. I found the, you know, the hot spot just to see, like I figured yeah. Toronto would be pretty hot and uh, going through all the snaps and, you know, car- uh, cars are honking. People are running through the streets. Everybody's cheering. Like yeah. it was, and then it, you know, you kind of follow different snaps and they go into different bars and it's just, it was uh, universal but not central, but it was, it was still, it was very cool. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was just as happy going through snaps than I was being downtown probably at that point. But, uh, it was, it was cool still, Uh, but I would like to have had maybe, I don't know when they show the Jurassic parks and they show where they are. I felt like Ottawa should be kind of front and center. If it's, you know, Toronto and then Ottawa, you know, I just feel like yeah, there's absolutely. a there's a responsibility from the capital, and um, it just I think that was lacking for me. Oh no doubt, and I you know 
uh, what's well, I thought was actually kind of cool just to touch upon some of the stuff that was going on last night. I, I maybe it was me, maybe it was just maybe I was just in a fantasy world, but you know, if I look out my window, my bedroom window, if I threw a football three or four times, I, I'd end up hitting parliament. That's how close I am to the sort of downtown core. Um, actually, that's not true. I'd have to throw it like 50 times. I was gonna times. say, or how strong your arm is. Yeah. Arm. All right, I don't have a very strong arm. <laughs> uh, I'm playing an ONTFL this year, by the way, and I'm quarterbacking a team. and my uh, my accuracy is pretty good, but I have no arm. Anyways, but my point was last night. I'm pretty sure around 11:55 after the maybe a, maybe 20 minutes after the Raptors had uh, had won, pretty sure I heard fireworks. But it could have been just locally, like it maybe some it, gunshots. I don't know, you live to, kind of in the hood, don't it. you? What's that? Sorry, it's probably gunshots. You sort of live in that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But no, there were too many of them. Uh, you. The people around here can't afford much more than the five or six bullets. This I was got like, you. All right. Yeah. This was, uh, this was, I'm pretty sure they were fireworks. Anyway, the, I think it, the main impact I thought that this had on uh, the country for me, from my perspective, was that it brought people who don't even watch basketball. Mm-hmm. It brought them together. Uh, you know, showcase the sport. Yeah, sure. But it just brought people together. And uh, I don't know. I, this might be the wrong comparison, but. If the Leafs were in the Stanley Cup final, would our country be reacting the same way? Well, no. And we touched upon this in a different uh, podcast because there are Montreal Canadian fans that will refuse to ever go for Toronto. There's Ottawa fans that will refuse to ever cheer for Toronto. Um, and, you know, when I was talking to you last night, I was saying, you know, like this, this feeling I have after they won of extreme pride and... Uh, you know, joyfulness around this team. Uh, I was trying to compare it to something, and I kept thinking of like the uh, like when Canada was playing in the gold medal game for the Olympics of hockey. Let's say um, was my first reaction, but in reality, I don't even think that's the case because that's happened multiple times now. Where I mean, and we're expected to win gold when we play in those games, um, so. Yes, the whole nation is kind of together, but it it still wasn't at the level that the Raptors winning were. And I think I would have to to go back to um, 92, I guess, when the Blue Jays won it for the first time. You know, even though I guess the Expos are still there, so there is another team that can kind of take some of that away. But, uh, you know, it was the first time that that major sports banner had come across north of the border. And I think, you know, I remember being a kid and just being immersed in the Blue Jays and their run. And, you know, I don't, I think because I was younger, maybe I didn't get as much of a appreciation for how the, the scope of it. And there wasn't as much social media and media and ways of really tying everybody together. Like you knew everybody in your school was, was amped up. You knew like everybody in your neighborhood was amped up, but you didn't know that Saskatchewan and uh, British Columbia, and they have viewing parties and everybody's kind of on board and they're watching this thing. You didn't get that sense where nowadays with technology, everything feels together and, and just makes everything feel bigger, I guess on a, on a, on a bigger stage. Um, so really, I think this is, this is right up there for me in terms of a sporting event, um, in terms of, um, Canada and successful 
uh, teams. It's it's right up there for me at the top. You know, I think back to the Immaculate Reception and what it would be like back then when Franco Harris picked the ball off the turf and uh, ran it in for a touchdown. If there was social media and if we had a million different camera angles. Would it even have happened? uh, Well, you know, and then, you know, the Frenchie. So it ricocheted off Frenchie Fuqua's helmet. And back then, if the ball hit a Steeler player first, it's incomplete whether you catch it or not. That They changed that rule. But uh there were a million different angles and we only caught one angle because it was, I think only NBC was airing the, the damn game and the guy, the camera guy just sort of lost track of the ball. So imagine now yeah. we would have, if John Madden would be, would, would have all his answers and he'd stop pissing and moaning and crying. Yeah. But then you, I think you mentioned the blue Jays that Joe Carter home run. There's only the one angle, right? The one you see yeah. the pitch from Mitch Williams and it's like from behind the mound and it's like the televised angle. Then you fast forward to Batista's home runs. There was like 50 different angles because he had people in the crowd recording it. Yep. They were posting it on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. So like how how we've progressed technology-wise has had an impact on the sporting world, you know, and like the Raptors being viewed all over the all over the the country, uh social media has had a has played a big part. Like I was afraid to turn my phone on during the game because I know I'd get immersed in, in threads and whatnot. So I just took it off and I only answered texts like, well, actually text from you was really all I was answering. Um, I tried my best to refrain because you get so immersed in the pa- people's passion and people's comments and their opinions. And you want to, you want to state your opinion. And it's just like the next thing you know, you can miss half the game. So, you, you know, I put the phone down and I just focus on what I was watching. And Smart. I think those viewing parties really help that, right? When you're at a viewing party, you put your phone down and you're actually surrounded by, God forbid, people. <laughs> and you're watching the game with people who are there to share a common uh, celebration. So uh, it, just the effect it had on, on uh, even Canadian basketball, Brock, like, you know, uh, there's players coming out of Toronto who are pro-level players who have the, the the potential to make NCAA in the states? Uh, we look at Carleton University and and the impact they've had on on our society, uh, basketball world anyway. And uh, youth basketball is is this is going to affect them probably the greatest. You know we're going to have kids joining basketball again based on what we just witnessed. You know we have parents who aren't into basketball living in let's say Canada or Orleans or wherever like down even down here. Um, whose kids are into hockey. Now they're suddenly into basketball. You know, I might, again, my, one of my friends was saying that her, her kids wanted uh, Raptor jerseys and uh, mm-hmm. they're hockey players. So like they're eight and 10. So they're suddenly Raptor fans, which makes them basketball fans, which maybe may when they're in grade six or grade seven, they may want to join a club team or like the effect, the trickle down effect that this has had uh, will really only be felt probably in the next three, four years, we'll see an, an increase in, uh, in basketball participation in kids. So, um, wow. What can you, what more can you say to that? I've... No, that's it. And I mean, Jackson tried to borrow my hat for the day. Can I wear your hat today? No, you can't. Tried? tried. Yeah, tried. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, kid. This is daddy's wearing it today. Sorry, big guy. Yeah. Sorry, uh... big guy. But that's exactly, I was just doing the math saying like, you know, as like we're really going to feel the impact, let's say let's say eight years from now. So say you know, the, if you're under ten, maybe you don't grasp it 100. percent You're not right there. Around ten and on, you say, oh, you know, that's actually looks kind of cool. I want to start playing it more. So now, by the time you're 18, you know, these kids are going to be the ones that are 
coming out of their first year NCAA or they're just going down to to play down there. And I think we may see a spike of Canadian basketball players again because yeah. of this event. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's uh, – uh, when I was 10, like I, I – since I've learned how to walk, I've been playing sports, right? Like we didn't have iPad or, or smartphones back when we were kids. So side note, uh, if anybody is listening and has a better iPad than the one Pierre has and is looking to donate it, that would be wonderful because he can't get Google Hangouts on his iPad and FaceTime is too choppy to use for recording. Just a little plug there while I had you continue. Thanks. Thanks, B. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll have, I'll second that notion. Uh, I right now we're sort of crude, uh, crude recordings, but they're turning out pretty okay. But, uh, yes. Anyways, I, uh, can remember playing sports as a kid and watching, um, my favorite teams as a kid and then wanting to be them as I got older, uh, watching the Steelers, uh, in the nineties and their crazy defense and, the crazy fans and then, you know, watching the Lakers with magic in the eighties and wanting to be like magic. And I catered my whole, my catered my entire basketball career to how magic played. Like when we were run practice, I'd want to be the point guard because I wanted to make the no look pass. And so anyone who dispels the, the myth that sport, you know, doesn't have that much of an impact. It's, it's just sports. There's bigger fish to fry in life. Yeah. You know what, who I am today, whether you like me or you don't like me, I'm pretty proud of who I've turned out to be is based on two things. My family, family, friends, I'll put that in one group Mm -hmm. and sports and playing sports and learning how to, how to compete with people, learning how to be a good teammate, um, learning how to listen to direction from a coach. All these things apply to real world stuff. And like, as a, for example, as your job, like you have to take direction, you have to be able to work with people, Tell me that doesn't apply, you know? So, right. Learn how to take constructive criticism. Learn how to win and lose gracefully. Learn how to learn from your mistakes. Learn how to improve. Learn how to push yourself. Learn how to deal with a variety of different people and characteristics and get along. Uh, the list goes on and on. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in today's world that I look at a kid or whoever and say that probably wouldn't happen if they had played sports and learned some valuable life lessons through some sort of organized activity. And your CFI promotes all levels of, of children, whether it be, right. you know, different, different socioeconomic backgrounds and you'll never, de- you'll never deny anybody, you know, and that, uh, you know, that is so important because we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different economic backgrounds, social mm-hmm. backgrounds. Uh, but sport sort of brings everybody together and for the common goal. And like you said, you know, you learn how to, you learn how to take criticism and you learn how to be like, you nailed it. And uh, what we're, what we saw last night could have that effect on thousands, if not millions of children across the country, across North America, perhaps, I don't think America cares too much about the Raptors right now, but they should. But in Canada, 37 million people. Yeah, 36, I think they said. But yeah, we're uh, we're getting closer. You know what? Uh, the effect that it's had on those 37 million people, and basketball's a basketball's a cool culture. I don't know if you you notice the sports cool, like especially in Canada. 
the fan base is is pretty cool. Like it's very I look at Toronto's diverse. crowd, man. Yeah, it's diverse. It's um every you know uh, certainly in in Toronto there's a real hip hop element, and you've got a million different cultures standing in Jurassic Park. You've got white. East Indian, African American, Arabic, all all wearing Raptor jerseys, all enjoying themselves. And love or hate Drake, the one thing he does preach is Canadian pride. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm just so everything was everything was just high class, top notch. And uh, the, uh, what can I say? You know, what you can saw I say? the I'm, uh, I'm, the commercial with uh, Nav, the the uh, Raptor super fan. I did see that. Yeah, like those are the kind of commercials, and and it, I don't know. It was uh, it was actually pretty cool. And he talks about you know being in seat A twelve, courtside seat A twelve for every single game. And he's like, a lot of people see a fan, a lot of people see Lebanese, a lot of people see just a turban, and you know. But he's, uh, you know, he's a definition and and uh, of multiculturalism in Toronto, and um, you know, I don't know. It just it. In Toronto, it feels like it opens a lot of doors for a lot of different uh, cultures and kids. And I think because of that, the impact is going to be much greater than maybe some other uh, scenarios and some other teams. Um, all right. Amen to that. Bro. All right. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this up and uh, yeah, talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing next episode. All right, so we are going to wrap this episode up. A um, couple little things that uh, didn't really fall into either of the topics we were just talking about, but really stood out to me. Um, I was watching Kawhi's uh, speech that he had uh, on the podium when they were asking him questions about uh, what it was you know, like coming to Toronto and all that kind of stuff. And he was very – everything was really, really positive. I mean, as – it should be when you just win the championship. Um, but there are a lot of key aspects that he talked about, like we talked earlier about health and all that kind of stuff and having the same mentality. Um, but I think I might have texted you last night too, but I was watching it the same way and with the same intensity as I watched Tim Tebow's speech after they won the national championship, uh, his junior season, and everybody was waiting for him to decide whether or not he was coming back for his senior season. And during that speech, right at the end, he said, let's do it again next year. And everybody went nuts. And I was waiting on the edge of my seat because I felt, I don't know, it's like I was, maybe it was the Tebow thing, but I kept waiting. I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. He's going to say, let's do it again next year. And I was waiting for it. Um, Didn't happen. Uh, He was asked the question, didn't address it, which, again, I 100% agree with him. Don't answer. Don't say anything at this point unless you're 100% coming back, and then you can kind of get well, everybody jacked it, up. But even then, is that something you want to say in front of the 3,000 fans that are still there, or do you want to do that like during the parade when there's half a million fans listening to you and whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he's he's I got a flair for the dramatic to a point, you know, unintentionally sometimes, but – Keep it to yourself and then wait for the, the big moment. So, Kawhi, if you're listening, I get your plan. I'm waiting for you to hear it during the parade. Uh, another quote that actually uh, uh, stood out to me and I actually laughed pretty good was uh, Arash Madani, the Sportsnet uh, uh, 
reporter who had, uh, I don't know if he tweeted out or if it was on my Facebook page, where uh, he said that uh, he overheard somebody saying, we already know the parade route because the Leafs have been planning it for years now. And I thought that was hilarious. Pretty great. Uh, <laughs> speaking of quotes, now you've said some pretty nice things in your life, Pierre, but this might top it. For me, anyway. <laughs> Six, seven, 200 and plus. I gave him a jump seat. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, he's a big boy. I don't know if you caught that. Six, seven, 200 and plus. I gave him a jump seat. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, he's a big boy. <laughs> Six, seven. For those who didn't hear, 200 plus. That, my friend, is what real friends do. <laughs> Wrong either. Like it's, you know, we're 200 plus. So oh, we're, yeah. 200 plus, <laughs> another 100 plus. Yeah. I got it. Uh, no, overall, uh, overall, I mean, your, your thing on CQCU was really good. Uh, you had a chance to talk about the, the podcast and, uh, Jeff seemed to enjoy it as well. So, uh, he yeah. sounds like he listened. So shout out to Jeff, uh, LaRock from CKCU. Um, sure. and, uh, yeah, so, uh, we're going to wrap this up next week. We are moving on from the wraps cause, uh, that season's over. So we are moving into, uh, CFL talk. Now that started last night as well. Your Saskatchewan Rough Riders played um, in a losing effort, but uh, there were some bigger topics at hand. Simone Lawrence being one of them, um, one quarter. of the uh, biggest douchebags of the league, maybe or questionable well, players. Look, I don't want I don't want to get too much into it, but I I did you know there was uh the games they moved the game back to 7 so it doesn't conflict with the raptor game so there was there was a good hour and a half of uh, uh CFL football that I caught yesterday and uh a, a bit of the jays and uh just just sort of a quick bullet point it was, the the hamilton game started rough i think it actually tempers really cooled off after the the first quarter i think you know the beginning of the season and everyone was all hyped up and all that but uh Simone Lawrence on the third play of the game Calaros uh, scrambled up the middle, dove feet first, feet first, and Lawrence, Lawrence hit him with his helm with his shoulder pad right in the helmet, and, he's, and he was out for the rest of the game. And it's you know that's their starting quarterback. Um, he has a history of that, doesn't he? He has a history of everything, really. But yeah, he has a history, <laughs> some concussion history, and then they had to bring him. By the end of the game, it was the third stringer in there because the uh, Fayardo was who's the backup was wasn't very good, good legs, but couldn't really read defenses, and he was scrambling for his life. But they had the backup guy. Saskatchewan's offensive line looks weak. Um, so anyway, Hamilton looked okay. I did. I thought they certainly don't look like the CFL Great Cup contender that they're everyone's claiming them to be. Mm. But I guess we'll see what pans out. With uh, hopefully Ottawa has a say in that. Uh, Blue Jays put the bull, put the laid the thumping, put the nail to the something to the. They're so bad. But <laughs> Orioles, Orioles are much much worse. And uh, Kevin BGO had two homers yesterday. The Jays thumped them 13-2 to to win that series, and they move on to play Houston tonight. It's going to be a drubbing. Yikes. So, But uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit of baseball to see how the Jays young kids are doing uh, on the next podcast. Definitely. Touch Hopefully get your brother on for some C- for some CFL talk. And, uh, CFL yeah. East, yeah. i got to work on this uniform question because it's actually more difficult than I thought it was going to be. All right. All right. That's it for us. We'll see you guys, or whatever. Look for the next episode in the next few days. You got it. Congratulations, Afterville. Go Raps.